And I'm Grace. And this is what we wish people knew. Hi. So for this episode on the podcast, we will be discussing what I wish people knew about self-care. Now, don't roll your eyes just yet. Uh, This is something that counselors hear all the time. The counseling profession says to practice more self-care. It'll prevent burnout, increase productivity, and reduce overall stress and chances of having an illness. Practice self-care or you will become cynical and not want to be a counselor anymore. Blah, 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 blah. But there's a lot of truth to the practice of self-care. And it's more important for everyone to incorporate. Everyone, or at least most of us, have to manage full-time jobs with coworkers who are weird and talk too much, bosses we don't like, and pressure to perform at a certain level or capacity. We also have to manage a personal life, including spouse or partner, child or multiple children, family, friends, acquaintances. The list is endless. However, what no one talks about is how the fuck do we take care of yourself on a daily basis when society pulls you in so many different directions? We're here to shed some light on this. The term self-care is misconstrued. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines it as care for oneself. The definition that Sarah and I like to use, however, is that the practice of self-care is any intentional act taken towards bringing you to a place of more relaxation and less feeling of stress. The emphasis here is that the act is intentional. It's meant to be a good thing. Something to help you relax, like watching TV or listening to music. It can be that simple. But when people hear that word, self-care, they cringe. I'm serious. As a counselor, to bring up self-care in a room full of other mental health professionals, people literally cringe when you tell them we're going to have a training on self-care. And I have been the cringer before in the room. So why the cringe? Because they know that they should be practicing more self-care, just like I know I should be flossing my teeth. In some ways, talking about self-care just makes you think about all of the ways that you're not taking care of yourself. And to be honest, no one enjoys looking deep within themselves to recognize that they need to be doing more to take care of themselves. It just adds more and more weight to what we're already experiencing. It also makes people recognize that they're taking care of themselves in all of the wrong and unhealthy ways. So some of these ways include using drugs and alcohol, which people like to do a lot, Um, eating too much or too little, being a workaholic, being addicted to Netflix or gaming, Facebook, Instagram. The options are really endless. And while these things are okay and good in moderation, right? They help us to feel good for that moment. They're not good for our overall well-being. And that's where introducing healthy self-care habits and practices helps. So self-care should be a practice that is done daily. It can be anything from taking a five-minute work break to walk outside or texting a friend to help you feel more at ease and relaxed throughout a stressful day. When I ask people about self-care, they immediately say, oh, I don't have time for that. I'll do something for myself on the weekend or when I go on vacation in a few months. And while that's all well and good, it doesn't make pushing through the stress any better if you don't take a minute to actually breathe. That being said, self-care practices can be anything from taking five minutes, five minutes out of each workday to do something you like, 
uh, to spending even a few hours each day to do something to help you feel relaxed. The key to incorporating self-care into your life is to do what fits your lifestyle. It should fit your lifestyle and your personality and your values. Self-care is an intentional act to help you deal with the daily stress of life. I mean, it can also be something, and it shouldn't be something that will create more stress or anxiety for you. So Sarah, reading your textbooks is not self-care. No, what this is like in the real world, we'll share some of the honest things that we do to maintain a healthy self-care practice into our lives. So for me, and please don't be intimidated. I try to over overdo things a little bit, but <laughs> exercise. Don't laugh, you know it's true. <laughs> um, exercise is really important to incorporate into my life. Uh, I try to exercise for about 90 minutes, uh, four to five times a week. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. Sometimes I don't want to do it. Uh, probably about 60%, that's a lie. Probably about 80% of the time I don't want to exercise. But I also know that when I do exercise, I really, really love to push myself to use that space as just like a mental energy to actually push everything out of the way, push everything that I have to do that's on my to-do list out of the way and just focus on me, focus on my own physical strength. Um, I know that when I exercise, I feel energetic. I've created this time for myself uh, without having to think about anything else. Um, the only thing I have to think about when I'm in the gym is, you know, lifting the weights or doing how many sets of something or, um, lately I've been reading books on the bike. Uh, so incorporating two things at once. Um, another thing I like to do is to go to a sensory deprivation tank, uh, and float. And, um, this is something that's really cool. And I've been telling some people about it. I've been floating for the past 10 months, about monthly, and I've really enjoyed um, getting away from all the sensory things uh, in our society for, for me. And I can just be myself and not have to think about literally anything. And just for that hour, it's just me in a room. I can't feel shit. The water is the temperature of my body um, and I'm floating and I can't see anything. Um, and it's kind of cool to get away. Um, Grace, you wouldn't do that? In that thing, you're freaking me out. Well, floating isn't for everybody. <laughs> you got to find your own thing. I think I would have a panic attack in, in there. I mean, for somebody like that has a history of anxiety or for somebody that just does not like enclosed spaces. Yeah, but you can't. You're literally in a, in a, like a, I like going the, to the Samadhi tank. And so what that means is it's like basically like a, a very enclosed, very small space. I think it's probably like eight feet long by like maybe three to four feet wide. Um, so I'm like basically stuck in a coffin full of water. Sarah, I've been in a womb before and I'm not going back. I like it out here. Okay. You like it out here? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll keep, I'll keep floating and you keep not floating then. Good plan. Good plan. <laughs> well, for me, for self-care, 
Um, I really like turning my phone off and taking walks with my dog because it's kind of gets me away from everyone and everything. And I also reading books that aren't for learning or counseling or psychology um, because that really takes my mind off of things. Awesome. Thank yeah. you for sharing, Grace. Thank you. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add about self-care? Um, well, last week for self-care, we challenged everyone to take a moment to talk about um, what pride means for us. So, Sarah, did you take our self-care challenge this last week? I did. And, you know, um, pride is something that is something that I had a hard time with in the past. But I think something that I'm proud of recently is that mm -hmm. I am very proud that accepting is growing and that I am trucking away through this PhD program and uh, things are good. Uh, life is great right now. That's definitely something to be proud of and it's, you've come a long way. Um, yeah. For me, pride was a little uh, difficult of a concept because I grew up in a Catholic family and pride is viewed as, you know, like one of the seven deadly sins, right? So this was kind of um, talking about pride in this positive, optimistic way uh, was a really helpful experience for me. And I, and I think it's a, a side of pride that should probably be explored more by people is the, the good side of it. Yeah, exactly. And I want to add something else to that, too, is like um, when children are small, we encourage them to be proud of, of the things that they do. We encourage them to be proud of being a, in sports or drawing or being good at school. But as soon as somebody turns into an adult, it's like automatically like you can't be proud of anything. It's like a shameful thing that you shouldn't be proud. Yeah. Or you're cocky or arrogant or rude. And yeah, there are people who are probably too proud and we all know who those people are. But I think when you really accomplish something or you're, you're happy about something in your life or a value that you have, you should be proud of that. Exactly. You should be really proud of that. And even to also be proud of the, the little things too. You don't have yeah. to wait to till you graduate to be proud, and you don't have to wait until you make a certain amount of money to be proud. You should be proud along the way. Yeah, the the little well, and that's as counselors what we're taught too to to enjoy and celebrate the small steps and the small accomplishments because they all add up to the big accomplishment and your end goal, right? Exactly, and then you're more proud when you do accomplish that goal. Yeah, because you took, you recognized all of the steps that it took to get there. And it's not easy. Exactly. It's not. Yeah. But um, it's a lifelong process. And some people, it takes longer to get there. Yeah. I, I, I'm probably one of those people that it, it maybe takes a little longer for the pride. But that's okay. Exactly. That's okay. Remember, we're human. We're <laughs> <laughs> We're human. We are all human. <laughs> we are human. Don't move. It's true, right? Unless you're not. I am reminded of that every day. Cool. Well, thank you, Grace. And that's it for today.